My safe word will be whiskey. Sorry, Rod, what was that? Whiskey. from the Lost in Translation podcast. Uh, today, 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 today we've got, uh, well, as a part of a brand that Travis and I recently launched, um, Kingsborn Distillery, we have a guest, a pretty, a pretty crucial guest from that brand and from that distillery, the guy behind most of basically what you're tasting in, in your glass. Um, and this, this brand is, was really a really exciting launch for Travis and I because it is the first uh, well, Scottish distillery that we have in our portfolio, which is something that we were very eager to try and, and find a partnership behind. And when we met with William Weens, who's uh, one of the founders and owners of, of Kings Barnes, um, he, we, we connected really, really quickly. So it was, it was super exciting. This has been about six months in the coming and uh, now it's finally here. So today though, we get to talk to Peter Holroyd and he is the master distiller. I guess I don't know what, is, is that your actual, is that your job title with distillery? I know you're the man uh, running around the stills and doing all the doing all the heavy lifting. <laughs> yeah, call me what you <laughs> but, want. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I know. I, I find that the like the job title changes depending on distillery to distillery, right? Oh, oh, business, business card says distillery manager, but distillery you or whatever you like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Peter, thanks thanks for joining us. I really really appreciate it. Um, like we just said, it's always tough to kind of connect this. <laughs> uh with the different time zones going yeah. across the pond like we are so i appreciate you making the time welcome no thanks a lot for having us and uh stephen i didn't realize we were this the first scottish distillery that you guys are 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 working with that's pretty cool uh, that's exciting yeah it's it's super exciting we uh we work with a few distilleries down in the united states and, we, and we've got some independent bottlers in, in our portfolio but yeah king's barns is officially our the first scottish distillery which i'm glad to hear that <laughs> yeah, it's it's exciting, and the the reception like it's it's only been a couple weeks really since the bottle's been available. Um, reception has been great so far. But Dream to Dram is just such a nice, light, expressive whiskey, and, and just like almost easy to drink at any point of the day. Honestly, well, Travis is Travis is nosing at nine o'clock in the morning, so that, <laughs> that just goes to show. That's but, a commitment. Um, yeah, we'd love to get this, uh, the podcast started and kind of get our guests to kind of go over their, their whiskey stories, like we, or as we like to say it. So kind of just let's, let's go over your, or why don't you tell us your whiskey journey, um, how it all started, how it, how it kind of evolved and what led you to, uh, King's Barnes. Yeah. Well, uh, right from the very start, I suppose when I was, uh, when I was a wee boy, when I was young, um, I always enjoyed working with my hands. I actually wanted to be a chef when I was younger. So I always had that love for food and drink, I think. Um, and moving on from that, I uh, I studied brewing and distilling at Harriet Watt University in, in Edinburgh. So there's a there's a course over there, a great wee course that um, four years and they've actually got a, a tiny little brewery and a, and a little still in the distiller in the, the university itself. Um, so you get to get you know hands on. You actually get to make some beer there and um, analyze it and um, and all the rest of it. Um, 
So I did that, uh, absolutely loved it, and actually went into brewing after I came out of university. So I worked for a tiny little brewery outside of Glasgow called Straven Ales for four years. Um, well, I should say before before that, I did did a summer's working down uh, down in Cornwall on the south of England in a in a brewery down there, um, and that was the first proper taste of um, of using real equipment, I suppose. Um, and all throughout my uni days, I was obsessed with uh, with homebrewing. Um, so we were, you know, brewing just about every week uh, at home and taking malt from the distillery um, and trying different things and experimenting and making our own beers. Um, so I, I was fascinated with that. Um, got into a real brewery uh, down in the south of England for a summer and really learned the ropes in terms of using proper production equipment um, and then following that I worked uh, as the, the head brewer in a small brewery outside of Glasgow for four years and that's then it was the change of tact into uh, into distilling and um, into distilling whiskey and the the industry that I'm now in so yeah that's that's kind of my story um, and throughout it all um, having a real uh, excitement for whiskey um, you know, join the Whiskey Society at university um, where we used to do tastings every Friday. Um, used to go to pub tastings and everything else, you know, just uh, find it endlessly fascinating how every distillery is different. Um, yeah, it's, it's just a, a, it's the national drink for us in Scotland, so it's it's pretty awesome to, to be involved in that. Yeah, that would be... A ton of fun for sure. Like I imagine the brew scene being just as as exciting as the whiskey scene in the UK, just in general. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I suppose it kind of came across from you guys in Northern America with that craft brewing scene, um, <laughs> whatever it was, fifteen years ago. Um, and then you saw lots of smaller breweries popping up in in the United Kingdom, um, doing something similar. You know. Uh, making less but making high quality um, and playing about with different hops all the new hop strains that come in playing about with different yeasts you know wild yeasts Britannomyces and everything else coming out with products that yes are a little bit more expensive but um, you get bang for your buck you know they're really interesting the flavors there um, and that's what uh, that's what's exciting about whiskey as well is uh, you know, you're, you are getting new distilleries uh, popping up now, but every distillery's got its own wee style, um, and there's space for it all in the market. We would, we're going to ask you some questions, obviously, about the distilling side of things, Peter, in a bit, but I have to go back to your home brewing because oh, yeah. I got sort of my introduction to craft beer uh, was from a friend of mine who was brewing at home. Uh, so what was your favorite style of beer to brew at home? Because I know each style has its own challenges and intricacies but what was your favorite style to brew to brew I, I i probably found the lighter ones more challenging to make because um any faults in them show up a wee bit more clearly you know yeah. you can hide a multitude of sins behind uh, a lot of roasted barley or something like that you know what i mean um but we made some really interesting ones uh sort of uh, marshmallow uh chocolate stout was a really good one i've made that a few times um and like hoppy stouts as well um but yeah it's the great thing about brewing is you can put whatever you want in it if you're brewing it yourself it's your own recipe and um, so you can go you can go bananas with it 
<laughs> but uh, it's nice to just have have a nice drinkable IPA, you know, nothing too crazy as well. So, you know, four or five percent, nice mix of hops, not too bitter, um, but lots of uh, maybe some dry hopping, lots of hops at the end of the boil. So you get a real fruitiness. And that's that was the general style that I used to go for, you know, time and time again. But it's nice once in a while to to do something a wee bit crazy with a different yeast or, or um or a totally different ingredient. Yeah. Yeah. Well that that I mean, one of the questions I had for you was that transition. So you're talking about, you know, brewing with different yeasts and, and different strains and different barleys. So you get into distilling and now how are you how are you finding that transition from brewing to distilling and are you incorporating some of that you know the different yeasts and the different barleys into your distilling that's a really good question um so for distilling it's is very very similar to brewing up to a point um, up to that distillation point really um or the boiling of the warp point um essentially what you're trying to do you're trying to achieve the same aims aims you've got uh, your raw materials um in beer's case it's you know, malted barley, maybe some different malts, maybe different cereals, um, yeast, water, and hops. And you're trying to get the best out of that in terms of flavor and in terms of yield. So in terms of, you know, the efficiency of, of your your plant. Uh, for distilling, we're trying to we're trying to achieve the same aims. We're trying to achieve um quality in terms of flavor, in terms of aroma. Um, but yield is a big thing as well for distilling. So we want to get the, the most juice that we can out of that barley. Um, and I suppose maybe one difference is you, you're trying to get a, you're trying to get real consistency in distilling because we're making a product that's going to be aged 10 years, you know, 20 years, 25 years down the line. So what you want to make, what we're making today in terms of new make spirit, we're wanting that to be consistent throughout, you know, 25 years in the future. Um, once you get the style of the distillery right, and you know, we're we're putting our hands up. We're a new distillery here. Uh, we you want to try and maintain that that character, and um, you know, find the distillery character that that you want to achieve, and then maintain it, keep the consistency. Um, your question about uh, was there any translation? Was there any crossover there? Um, bringing ideas from brewing over to distilling. Um, we we brought on uh, quite a famous whiskey consultant in the early days to make sure that we were doing it right, um, Jim Swan, um, and he's a famous guy in the industry. He's passed away now, unfortunately. He passed away a few years ago, but um, he came to us with a few different ideas for okay, you want to achieve this particular style. For us, it was light, fruity, elegant. And he gave us a few jigsaw pieces to put in place in our in our distillery to to achieve that that character, um, and we'll talk about that a little bit later on. I'm, I'm sure, but different different things about um, the raw materials, about how you process everything. You know, how how do you actually run the distillery to get that sort of uh, flavor, aroma, and that sort of style, the softness that we're looking for. Um, how do you run the stills? All of that, you know, uh, it's what what I like to say to people when I take them around the distillery is every part of what we do here has been geared towards getting as much light, fruity elegance into the spirit as we can. You don't just build a distillery, press the green button and see what comes out of the other side. You know, you're uh, 
you are from your raw materials to you know your choice of yeasts to how tall your stills are how how are the the team going to be running the stills um how's the plant engineered you know all of that has to be targeting the style that you're looking for um so that's certainly what we tried to do here we had to work with some constraints uh, in that regard but um that was certainly our our aim to to try and get that from the get go i have a follow up question on that actually um yeah. when you when you combine all those things and do all the research that goes into kind of directing your your flavor was there a lot of a changing of that do you know what i mean like trial and error and adjusting yeah. along the way or like was it pretty did you kind of hone in pretty quick on what you needed or were there some lots of changes in the in the process yeah so we um we did have to change a couple of bits and bobs actually you know in the very early days um what i didn't realize when i came on board was uh that the distillery has to kind of settle down and it takes a good two or three weeks for the copper to condition so the copper needs some um you know stills are obviously made out of uh, made out of copper and it takes uh, a little bit of time for that to condition um for you to have a few runs um of uh you know spirit runs through it um for the copper to come into play and start doing its job properly um not only that we needed to kind of work out how do you run the mash ton um to try and get clear wort um because what we're what we're doing in the mash is essentially we're making yeast food that's that's all we're doing um but you are what you eat and if you give the yeast a really clear bright color of wort um then it tends to give you more elegant fruit flavors in the spirit but if you give the the yeast more kind of uh, cloudy dirty wort um which you know some distilleries are striving for for finding that um then it gives more nutty and spicy flavors so the first first things first we needed to make sure we got the grind right in the mill that you know that that grind was following through into the mash tun and the mash was um you know we get the right quality of extract out of the mash tun um uh so that did all take a little bit of time to kind of bed in and um, to work out all the wee uh, idiosyncrasies of the distillery i suppose um to make a couple of little changes and to make sure that we can clean the plant fully and um and make sure that we're not getting any sort of wild yeast infections or anything like that um, so it definitely took a couple of weeks um, to bed to bed everything in. Um, for the first two weeks, we were only using one strain, uh, and then we we went on to using the two strains, uh, two strains of yeast. And there was a there was a definite change in character at that point um, because yeasts are all different. You know, they all have different uh, metabolites. They all eat sugar and produce something different at the other side. So you know that if you're in brewing, if any if anyone's listening, that's this in brewing, if you use a different strain of yeast, you have a different a different beer. It has a different flavor at the end of the day. So it's the same with same with distilling and, and using yeast for that. So it probably took a very long-winded way of answering your question there, Sean. But it probably took about a month to bed it in. Um, and what we did with that spirit was we waited until uh, we had a full, um, you know, 25,000 liters of spirit um, so that we could blend it away and make sure the first batch was... Uh, was was a lot more consistent than you know the first couple of runs of the still which were all which were all over the place but that's that's going to be the case for every distillery that starts you know yeah for sure thank you and 
with those those first couple runs that you said were like all over the place what do you do with those do you are they wasted or do you throw them in casks and see what happens just out of curiosity's sake or what do you do with that stuff I suppose you could have done that. Eh? You could have done like a special release of <laughs> first run or something like that. Yeah. Um, no. So what we did was we just uh, the for the first couple of runs, um, we I think we had to distill. Uh, you had to we had to make enough low wines to be able to um, run the spirit still. So it took a good few distillations to get up to the point that we had spirit actually. Um, but the first, the first two or three um, spirit runs, what we we did was we just mixed it in with about twenty thousand liters of uh, of new make spirit that we produced later on, um, and then any little um, uh, any little variations in that style were, were ironed out quite nicely, so that um, we didn't have um, anything that was too um, you know too overtly not not within our 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 flavor. Uh, a specification if you like cool awesome so blend it away <laughs> yeah yeah no that's great yeah. thank you yeah we have a distillery nearby peter that um they they've had their stills for months now the direct flame fired stills and oh, wow. it's the same thing they've been they've been working through and they just finally started getting their new make spirit sort of to where they wanted it but it's yeah the the stories of distilleries starting up and figuring out how to you know you have this idea of how it's going to work but actually figuring out how it's all going to work is, you know, a completely different thing. So um, yeah. the, the story of Kings Barnes is a pretty cool one. Just going back to like the origins of the distillery itself um, with, you know, Dougie Clement, the caddy and stuff like that. Do you just want to give the people, I, I obviously know the story, but I'd like to hear it kind of from you. I like a Coles notes version of how Kings Barnes came to be. Yeah, cool. So yeah, like you say, it was the actually the idea of a local man here. Um, it was a, a local golf caddy uh, called Douglas Clement. Um, and he he was the one that had that uh, brainwave that there's not a, there's not another distillery within 50 miles of, of St. Andrews. Um, we're based just outside of St. Andrews um, on the Fife coast about as far far east in Fife as you can get. So we're in the lowland lowland region. Um, but obviously, you know, St. Andrews being the home of golf, um, Doug was getting all his clients saying, you know, Americans are coming across uh, playing some golf and, you know, where's the closest distillery that we can do a tour? And there wasn't one for 50 miles. The closest was probably Tully Barden or maybe Glenn Kinchy. Um, so he had the idea, okay, we, we can start a distillery here and uh, do a visitor centre as well. Um, but it's it's obviously you need quite a lot of capital. You need a lot of knowledge and skills um, besides that to uh, to start a distillery. So that's really where um, the Weems family came on board. Um, and they're actually a local family as well um, with ancient ancestral links to, to this land here. Uh, over in Fife, and they were an independent bottler as Weems Malts. So they were buying whiskey from uh, all over Scotland, and uh, they were blenders, so blending blending Scotch and um, bottling single casks as well. Um, doing that since two thousand and five. Uh, they also have a, a Rimmer-esque um, vineyard um, over in the south of France, and so they had the. 
they had the knowledge and the skills and the expertise and the links in the industry to get something off the ground, but they also obviously had the capital to be able to make it happen. Um, and that really, when William Weems came on board, that was uh, that was when it became, um, you know, more than a dream, a reality. Uh, and it was it was built in twenty. Well, it took a couple of years to construct, but we we finished it in twenty fourteen, um, and we started distilling in very early twenty fifteen. And um, the building itself is an old farmsteading, so uh, it used to be. Um, used to be an old farm, but it was falling to rack and ruin. Um, so Doug uh, was seeing this building every time he drove past it uh, on his way to work every day uh, and seeing this old farm fall to bits, but it had a, it had a lot of potential. Um, you know, uh, it's, it's a gorgeous old building um, and it was really giving it a new lease of life and making it a distillery, making it a, uh, making it a, a place where people would come again and where, you know, whiskey was going to be made. So, um, that was that was that was what happened. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And now that uh, we're working with you, next time I come to Golf St Andrews, I don't have to line up at three thirty in the morning. Hopefully, Doug can get me a tea time. Is that what we're saying? <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> You're a golfer. Yeah, I went oh, yeah. in 2017. Uh, me and five of us from the Edmonton Scotch Club went down and did a whole tour of the mainland. And uh, me and my uncle lined up at 3.30 in the morning or whatever time it was. Pitch black outside. Oh. You could hear the ocean, but you couldn't see it. And uh, we actually got to golf together on a, we just jumped on with another twosome at, you know, and got to play. So yeah, it, it, I, I'd rather not do that again. So if you could let Doug know that I would like to go hook up, please. Back <laughs> on. Um, Peter, you, you like like you said, right? Kingsborns is located in the lowland region, so I kind of like to talk about kind of what what you think separates the lowland region from the other regions in Scot in in Scotland, and like what are those what are those characteristics? Because I find that when as we release this brand, there's not like we don't have a ton of lowland distilleries here, so I'm getting a lot of questions about what like what what's a what's the difference between a lowland distillery and and a spaceside distillery like what, what am i looking for what are those characteristics i suppose the history of it um is that blenders would traditionally it would be like a um almost like a palette for blenders you know that they would be able to um as a tool just pick a region and say okay lowlands is going to be um, something that's quite light, quite fruity, quite floral. These were the kind of words that were used to describe it. But it also helps to bring a blend together. So it's almost like the glue that, that brings these other whiskies together. Um, so fast, fascinating whiskey in and of itself. Um, in terms of the lowland region, um, you're absolutely right. There's not enough. Well, there weren't very many um, lowland distilleries uh, at the time when you know the idea was... Uh, was hatched to start Kingsbarns. Um, you had a, a handful of, of lowland distilleries, so it was it was really an underrepresented region in Scotland. Um, now the regions all kind of have their own style, their own their own flavour. Um, I think re regionality is maybe not quite as important as it, as it used to be, um, given that uh, you know some Isla distilleries are are making unpeated, you know, non-smoky whisky. 
Uh, and then you get some uh, some space ciders, which are like known as the sweet ones, making peated whiskey, making smoky <laughs> stuff. So it's it's not quite uh, as important as it was before uh, that that word region, but it's still useful, I think. Um, for us, we we really wanted to um, to be known as a traditional lowland distillery in terms of flavour. So we we were looking for something that was light and elegant and really fruity as well. Um, you want to make something interesting, you know, we're not making very much. We're only filling 34 casks a week here. So you, you got to make every drop count in terms of making something a wee bit, a wee bit unique, a wee bit interesting. Um, so uh, what was the last part of the question there about the regionality? Um, you said something else. Yeah, um, I, that, that's a good question. <laughs> I got lost. I kind of got lost in listening to you, and and now I've. Oh, it was space side. You were you were talking about uh, what's the difference between space side and and lowland? That's yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah, so, uh, so that's that's quite a good question, actually. Um, it's early in the morning here, Peter. You gotta remember, we haven't quite, we haven't completely woken up yet. <laughs> so that's that's quite a good question. I suppose space side is known as uh, um, the sort of sweet honey sort of. Uh, Maybe a little bit darker sugars than um, than uh, the lowlands, which um, the words more banded about traditionally in lowlands is maybe uh, um, even even the ladies' dram or floral or feminine sometimes. Um, whereas uh, space side might be a little bit more um, a sherry cask use, maybe a little bit more um, sort of darker sweetness, I suppose. Okay. Um, but, as I say, every distillery is doing something different these days. <laughs> oh, for sure, it's it's harder to distinguish um, like what distilleries from what region nowadays because they're all they're kind of floating about doing their own thing. It's not as just not as distinctive as it used to be. No, um, you you guys really focus on like capturing the spirit of Fife. So I'm curious, like what 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 does Kings Martins do to really like to capture that area of of Scotland and and kind of and use it in in the whiskey that they produce yeah so it's a it's a beautiful area in scotland but it's maybe not something that you would think of as traditionally scottish you know there's not stags roaming around in mountains um this is all it's quite gentle rolling uh farmland but we're in a we're in a peninsula and um, so it's um we've got the tay estuary to the north of us and we've got the fourth estuary to the south of us um, and we're right out of the very tip of this peninsula, if you like. Um, so it's very coastal as well. Um, but as I say, it's a, it's a beautiful place. Um, you've got the sea, um, you're never very far away from the sea, um, and there's rolling barley fields here, you know. And the great thing about uh, starting a distillery in Fife is you've got the number one ingredient uh, at your fingertips. Um, so locally grown Fife barley is the only barley that we use. Um, and it's the perfect it's the perfect place to grow spring barley. Um, you've got rain at the right times in the spring when you uh, when you need it for for the growth of the plants. Um, you've got mineral rich soil, um, so plenty of nutrients for the plants to grow. Uh, and you've got probably some of the most hours of sunshine that you do uh, in Scotland. You know we've got the most hours of sunlight um, here and just south of here. Um, so um, plenty of plenty of time for the plant to uh, to grow and to to put its energy into uh, into the the seed um and then in the autumn you've got um 
it's very windy here as well. So you've got the wind blowing the blowing the barley dry. So it's the perfect place to make the raw ingredient. That's that's the first the first thing I'd say. Um, in terms of what we're doing here, um, like I said, we're trying to make the most of those uh, the the raw ingredients. Um, so locally grown barley. We're using uh, mineral rich water drawing from a, an aquifer directly below the distillery. Um, and we're maturing all of our whiskey here in Fife as well. So you're absolutely right. We're, what we want to do is to, um, to stamp Fife on this tram. Um, we really want it to be uh, uh, drive as much provenance into it as possible. Make it something local. Yeah, I, I really like when a distillery like really connects themselves with with where the whiskey is being made. I think that's I think that's really cool, and you can kind of you, you can almost give this you give like your drinkers just this little bit of like insight into what kind of land the distillery is on, and it, it almost like right you can almost like envision like you're there while you're drinking it kind of thing. If if you really get the feeling of it, I think that's really cool. Um, the other question I have is. I'm curious if there's any other distillers or brands or distilleries, I guess, that that you've drawn inspiration from. Oh, plenty. I mean, how, how much time do you have? <laughs> <laughs> I guess some, some of the key ones that that uh, that really, I guess, inspire you more than maybe some of the others. Yeah. Um, so I love a lot of what Aaron do. Um, they've they've got some really excellent spirit uh, and. They put it into interesting casks. Um, Lagavulin, I love. Uh, Springbank. Um, I love the waxiness of Klein Leash. You know, it's got a really nice mouth texture to it. Um, in terms of drams from Fife, um, I recently had some uh, some whiskey and some spirit from Inch Dearney. It was blown away by that. They're making some really interesting stuff. Uh, very innovative distillery. Um, Daft Mill is another tiny little distillery here in Fife. And I mean, he he he's a farmer, but he he makes uh, that's his main job. But he, he makes whiskey on the side, really, and he's making some outstanding drams as well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that, again, it's the great thing about whiskey is there's a whiskey for every moment. You know, if you're wanting something pre-dinner or maybe in a summer's afternoon, Kings mm -hmm. Barnes would be the, the perfect dram. Maybe later on in the evening, you want something with with a bit of peat in it, then that's the time you maybe go to Springbank or Lagavulin or. Um, yeah, yeah. So I mean, there's so many distilleries that uh, have got you know a lot of appreciation for Ben Rennes as well. That's another interesting one. So, yes. um, yeah, that's that's a really cool one. Um, Worm tubs. So no, lots of distilleries. Yeah, <laughs> you can tell you're a whiskey fan because you just tried to name every distillery in Scotland. <laughs> Some of the more obscure ones as well. The, the wee hidden yeah. gems. Yeah. There, but that's the truth of it, right? There are just there's so much amazingly good whiskey out there, and it's we we preach all the time where it's like don't don't pigeonhole yourself to just one style or one distillery or one brand. Like explore because it's just endless how much delicious delicious whiskey is out there. Oh, big time! Yeah, and have fun with it as well. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Daff Daff Mill just landed in Alberta, right? Kensington Wine Market had a, yeah. a cask of it, and people were raving about Daff Mill. And uh, yeah. and Klein Leash is used in almost every single Compass Box blend, so they must be doing something right to uh, to have that kind of success. People love craft in this in this area, right? So as soon as you just as soon as you can demonstrate the, like how craft a distillery is, or or even small production distilleries. 
um, that I find the drinkers gravitate to it in, mm-hmm. in Canada. I think maybe it's just the small nature of our of our country that they just they really want to support that. Um, oh, that's cool. We you mentioned earlier you got the opportunity to work with the late Jim Swan. Um, I kind of like to know how how that was, and he, he's a legend, obviously in the industry. Um, do you want? Yeah. Do you want to just? Yeah, give us um, a Jim Swan story, or, or just let us know just how how exactly Jim Swan helped mold Kingsbarns. Well, he's Kingsbarns wouldn't be Kingsbarns without Jim Swan, I think, and I, I think I speak for all of the team here when I say that. You know, his uh, his input was uh, was crucial in forming the style of the distillery. Um, so it was it was Jim that recommended using these two separate strains of yeast. Um, because each one's going to contribute something different in terms of flavour. Um, and you're going to get a little bit of balance in the fermentation, um, bringing that onto distillation. And obviously, all that flavour is going to come through in the spirit. Um, it was Jim that recommended our cut points, you know, um, how to run the stills, uh, how quickly to run the stills, and uh, what, you know, what to watch out for. Um, we also had a uh, an old distillery man manager that came down for a couple of months to help us get going as well. Um, he was uh, ex-manager of Longmorn and of, um, I think, Glenn Fiddick as well. No, Glenn Levitt, sorry. Um, an old chap called Hamish Proctor, and he's an absolute legend as well. Um, so he really helped us out in, in terms of day-to-day operations. Um, there's so many characters in the whiskey industry. Uh, but Jim Jim was great. You know, he's uh, I only met him a handful of times. Um, but he was, uh, yeah, very kind of uh, quite unassuming, I think, actually. Um, quite quiet, but very confident, and he knew his stuff, and everybody respects, respected him so much. Um, so, yeah, I remember him saying, um, yeah, you can, you can try using, uh, for the two strains we use, he said, only, only use 50% of, of this particular one, because if you use... If you tried a fermentation with 100% of this this yeast, it almost wouldn't be whiskey. It would be too fruity. Um, so you need the balance there. Um, so really it was, uh, you know, a distiller would go to him and say, look, I'm looking for this style of spirit. And Jim would help him um, in that regard and, and targeting whatever kind of, uh, whatever style it was that they were striving for. Um, and he did that down to a T for us. Um, so can't fault him there. You know, I, it's funny because I think a lot of people, including myself, probably just think of of Dr. Swan as more of like a cask guy, right? He's known for his STR casks. And uh, he worked with a distillery in Victoria, Canada, actually, that our club bought a cask from. And they're actually being shipped here right away. But it's interesting to hear that he comes in and he's helping with the stills, the yeast. Like, he's not just the STR guy. He's a full-on whiskey production. Oh, right, right the way through. And you're absolutely right. Those STRs are... Um the main constituent in our uh, in our core release of dream to dram you know it's um it's a uh, foundation uh in in our core core range now ten um, percent of those strs goes into the dream to dram um and it's a it's a crazy whiskey that you get out of that it's really rich and really dark so yeah on and all down to jim yeah well and we're gonna we'll get to the two releases that are in canada and we got before that, probably just a few questions on production, but we've actually kind of touched on a lot of the phases of production. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go down my list of, of discussion points. So barley is all local barley from Fife. 
are mostly yeah. mostly local no all local barley from five local yeah. barley from five yep and it's mashed to create a clear wort or yeast yeast food as you call it <laughs> <laughs> and then uh your fermentation if you want to just touch on that because you've opted to go for longer 75 to 120 hour fermentations and i'm assuming uh to get that fruitiness is what i'm i'm understanding is that correct Yeah, exactly that's it yeah so longer fermentations um uh, produce more kind of uh more esters gives you a little bit more time for the the yeast to, to do its job and um, the wash becomes a little bit more acidic than it would otherwise so you get that ph drop a little bit of lactic acid bacteria working on it and it's at the end of the day it all produces flavor so yeah those long fermentations uh, help with the fruitiness um, and two strains of yeast in that as well yeah well and that's more than double the industry average is about 55 hours so you're really and the reason why a lot it's it takes time and that means your your washbacks are being occupied so it's and it leads to you producing just 34 casts a week which is quite low when you think about it um your stills can you maybe just describe the stills to us and i know you're running them very slowly probably more copper contact but just do you want to run us through the stills quickly yeah sure so we've got uh, we're a very traditional double pot uh, double copper pot still distillation um, I know some lowland distilleries have um, done uh, triple distillation, but we opted for that double. Um, it's uh, lamp glass design, so um, really quite traditional in its design as well. Um, we really have on the distillation side gone in the old school route uh, in terms of it's all manually uh, operated. You know, all the steam valves are manual. Um, we've, you know, we've actually got a stillman uh, keeping an eye on the spirit cut and everything like that. And and if they don't think it's ready, they they won't, they, you know, they won't take the spirit cut rather than having a machine dictate that for you, for instance. Or, um, uh, in terms of the stills themselves, uh, ideally we would have liked to have had a little bit more height on them. Um, but we were constrained there. Uh, the the buildings are a B listed building. Um, so we weren't allowed to build any taller than the existing structure. Um, and the, the tallest part of the, the building is an old ducot or, or dovecot um, where they used to, you know, back in the day, keep doves. Um, we've actually got our first cask in there. Um, but uh, so we had to kind of work within the constraints there. Um, how do we do that? Well, we have long line arms, so we try and get as, ma as much copper contact as possible. Uh, those line arms go into shell and tube condensers um, again a wee bit more copper contact but importantly it's how, how you run them and uh, makes a big, big impact on on flavor at the end of the day so like you said uh, we run them really really slowly and um, both wash and spirit still and uh, we take quite a high cut point as well on that so um, you know we're only running eight minutes of four shots and then we're coming onto the the heart of the run um, and we we take the tail of the run at 69%. So, you know, that's a really quite a high cut and quite a fine cut. So you're only targeting a, a very specific range of flavor uh, in that spectrum there. That's all that, all that we're looking for in that. But it's where all the kind of fruit fruit is, uh, all the all the floral aspects of the uh, the spirit run. That's what that's what we're, we're, we're looking to capture. Totally. And again, yeah, everything time was one thing William Weems mentioned, he said, time everything is just you take your time you do it the right way um your warehouses you said are on site which i don't think and i don't think uh 
a lot of people completely understand how much warehousing isn't done at the distilleries anymore in Scotland. Well, this, one's, just... this one's offsite, actually. It is warehousing. Oh, it is offsite. Yeah, it is in Fife, but um, we don't have the space to put warehousing in here. But it, it was very important for us to to be able to warehouse it, uh, you know, in the region. Yeah, still in Fife, though. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. That farmhouse isn't big enough to put a whole bunch of tasks anyways. <laughs> I've seen pictures of it. No, no, it's um, very quick. And obviously, Dr. Jim Swan kind of guided your CAS program, but um, just from reading and talking to William, you've sourced, you've been able to procure actual Solera Oloroso CAS. Is it, it, how does that happen? Because I've heard that's tough these days. Yeah, definitely. So that's the great thing about um, working for a, an independently owned family-run distillery. Um, is ran the, the business is run by William and Isabella. So it's a father-sister duo. Uh, and Isabella really is the one that's got all of the the knowledge and the contacts in the industry in terms of wood. So she's a real maturation expert for um, for whiskey. Um, so she's got the the contacts from working in Weems Malts um, over the years and built a really close relationship with uh, Bourbon Distillery over in the States and um, where we source our casks from um, exclusively in terms of bourbon. Um, and also the uh, the Solera butts um, from from Spain as well, um, and I know we're going to do a wee tasting uh, of Balcomi, which is our sherry matured malt. But you can really see um, the interaction of spirit and wood um, really comes in beautifully with that with that maturation because it's so soft. It's a really soft maturation. Um, yeah, so it, really, it's about establishing contacts in the industry and making sure that. Um, you're getting the right wood you're getting the wood to fit the spirit um and you know there's so many people that are that are punting casks these days and they're they're poor quality casks so you need to you need to have trust it's uh, it's about establishing trust in business yeah well and we've we've talked about this lots on the podcast but also the idea is you're not letting the those casts overpower the spirit you still want that distillery character to come through which with sdr cast if you used 100 percent you're probably going to overpower that lowland character. So that's what I love about these whiskeys is the spirit is still there. Um, and they're, they're not cask forward. Uh, oh, definitely. Yeah. That makes sense. yeah. No, I, undoubtedly. I mean, uh, we've, the team here spent so much time and effort getting, putting in work to get a, an interesting new make spirit, you know, something that's got a bit of, uh, a bit of interest, a bit of nuance, um, a little bit of fruity finesse, if you like. And, to put that into casks that would over overpower it or dominate it is is a waste of time. Um, so yeah, it's about trying to make sure that um, you you have the right fit and that the the wood isn't overpowering the spirit. Definitely, it's it's so important. I think we found that with the you get that in the dream to dram that you know only using ten percent of those STRs, but it really makes quite a difference in the uh, in the nose. Gives just a touch of richness, but the the bourbon cask is the backbone to the dream to dram the str is the glue that holds it all together and i mean that almost literally it's such sticky liquid um that comes out those casks it's it's pretty ridiculous stuff (laughs) it's just so important not to lose the essence of the spirit right like we we have friends that just chase they chase the darkest whiskey all the time and it's and you just you ask that question it's like are you sure you're not just a sherry fan (laughs) <laughs> like, or are you a whiskey fan? Because yeah, yeah. at that point, it's just basically all—it's all sherry cask or all port cask or all like it's just the cask takes over. The spirit is kind of lost, right? 
So it's we we preach all the time where it's it drink drink the whiskeys that still have the essence of the spirit present because that's where the journey really is, right? That's where you get whiskeys that evolve through like as you're drink as you're drinking the bottle, and it's just more of an exciting uh, dram in, in my eyes. But no, definitely, definitely, yeah, for sure. I let's uh. Let's talk about the the two releases that came to Canada, which are the two basically flagship releases at King's Barnes. Um, first, the Dream to Dram, which just got Best Lowland Whiskey, right, in the World Whiskey Awards. Yeah, yeah, I believe it won uh, won that one. I think it was it was uh, yeah Best Lowland Malt. Yeah, yeah, that that's super exciting. Um, let's talk talk a little bit about that. I know we've kind of touched on it throughout throughout our conversation already, but um, maybe give give the listeners an idea of what they what they will find when they when they pour it for themselves. Yeah, so it's um, it's non chill filtered, naturally color, uh, natural natural color to it. Forty six percent strength. Um, what goes into it is a mixture of uh, two different cask types. There, so ninety percent of the maturation is first fill bourbon. So we've got those bourbon casks that um, have been used once for, for bourbon, and we've got them, taken them here at the distillery and filled them. Um, and that's 90% of the uh, the makeup there. The other 10% is, is those uh, Jim Swan STR casks. Um, it's been used, it's, it's, it's a young whiskey, you know, it's been aged for three, three and a half years. We're very uh, kind of honest about that. Um, but it's lovely and light and fruity and elegant. And this really is a summer dram, in my opinion. Um, it's something you can imagine having in a summer afternoon. Um, you know, it's got these lovely kind of tropical notes to it. Um, I think of, do you guys get banana foam sweets over in Canada? Is that something that never heard maybe of? At the, maybe at the local Scottish shop, but I don't think it was. <laughs> no, the local 7-Eleven doesn't have them. No. Maybe it's a Scottish thing, but it's, the, it's these sweeties, these kind of sweets you get. Uh, over here that um it's kind of like a sweet shop element to it so you get that lovely sweet shop nose to it um and a little bit of kind of summer berries as well and on the palate for for dream to dram um lovely and sweet up front quite soft um maybe a wee bit of pineapple um but then you get a little bit of kind of ginger syrup in the finish as well there's a lovely little bit of uh, ginger in the end there um but quite a short finish and as I say this is kind of a summary drama it's a perfect thing to be drinking at this time of year yeah it's not it, it does and first of all it, I did not know that it was I thought it was probably closer to five six years just from tasting it because it doesn't have that it doesn't have any new makey no flavors to me which it's is from clean. probably first fill bourbon cast and the STR helping there but it, it does not taste three and a half four years old no, it doesn't yeah, no definitely it just goes to show that you know you can you can be um, especially with that lowland style, and one of the benefits of making a spirit that's quite light is that you don't have those heavier components to have to mature out. Um, there are some epic distilleries that are making really chunky spirit, but the thing about that is you need a lot more time to be able to mature it out um, for those uh, uh, more robust um, sort of meaty or leathery components that are in the um, the spirit for you to be able to mature that out. The great thing about making a spirit that's got a lot of kind of floral aspects to it um, is that it's a, a faster maturing one as well. And um, so, you know, you can release it at three years old and it's a great, it's a great dram. It's a lip, lip smacking dram. 
Yeah, absolutely. So let's move on to the Balcomi. Now, Balcomi is a uh, 100% Oloroso casks. Yeah, right? so quite an interesting uh, story behind that one. So it's American wood, um, but it's uh, Oloroso uh, sherry butts. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's the thing about these casks is that it's been, it's held sherry for so many years that sherry's taken out a lot of the the wood tannins um, and those wood tannins are now in the sherry um, rather than in the whiskey. So when we have them, when we get them in, they're like the perfect cask to mature that, um, the style that we're, we're making that lowland fruity style um, is the perfect cask for that because um, it works so well and marrying alongside the the spirit character um that you don't and you see from the color of it you know it's not sherry bomb um it's quite a light sherry maturation it's quite a soft maturation um but uh, it works really well for uh, for us as i say on the nose of this one um it's definitely a little bit darker darker sugars in there so you you pick up kind of caramel you pick up a little bit of treacle maybe um, I'm thinking kind of squashed cranberries, squashed raisins, you know, that typical thing you get with sherry, but it's like, um, it's quite a, a soft, um, fruitcake almost in the nose. Uh, maybe a tiny wee touch of chocolate as well. And in, in the palate, um, again, you're picking up sort of tinned pineapple syrup, that sort of sweet sour, um, that lovely thing you get going on in some whiskies. Um, you're certainly picking that up here. Um, and a little bit of nuttiness in the in the end as well. A wee bit of spice to it. Um, but if you if you like to talk about drams and seasons, this is a wee bit more autumnal. It's definitely that little bit darker. Um, going not quite winter. It's not like a proper robust. As as I say, it's not a sherry monster. Um, but it's um, it's definitely maybe something for after dinner. Maybe something that's uh, um, yeah. Uh, it's not not a mid afternoon afternoon dram. He well, said dram for, a dram for every occasion, right? <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> well, we're uh, we're at the point now. We're at our um, pull the bung uh, segment of it, where uh, Sean Sean's going to ask you a bunch of random questions. Cool. Uh, so just just answer them as quick as you can, off the tongue. Uh, have fun with it, Sean. Take it away, buddy. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. Are you threatening me, Dick? That's not a threat. What? That's a fact. I'll fucking kill you. What do you want to know? What? Say what again. Say what again. I dare you. I double dare you, motherfucker. Say what one more goddamn time. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. All right. Go for it. Favorite musical group? Oh, um... God. Supposed to be a quick answer. I know it's supposed to be quick. Uh, musical group. Um, That's a tough one for me all the time, too. God, I don't know. Uh, the Beatles. All right. Yeah, there you go. One celebrity you'd like to have a dram with? One celebrity. Um... God, I don't know why I'm finding these so difficult. We'll try an easier. You maybe just over overthinking. You're thinking about <laughs> <laughs> instead of just. Uh, 
God, I don't know. Um, Sylvester Stallone, he'd be interesting. Nice. That's a good choice. That, that is. All right. Cats or dogs? Dogs. Favorite color of t-shirt? <laughs> mm. Dark blue. All right. Um, favorite distillery other than Kingsmart? Oh. Um... Klein Leash. Do you know how to ice skate? No. <laughs> Favorite type of cask to finish whiskey? Uh, I prefer straight up bourbon maturation all the way. All right, cool. Awesome. That's good to hear. Um, least favorite style of whiskey in the world? Ooh. Least favorite style of whiskey? Um... That's a good one. I'm, uh, is that a new one? Yeah. Sean? I like it. Hmm. Least favorite style. Uh... Don't worry, Peter. We have Jeopardy music. We cue yeah, the lightning. The lightning <laughs> round is very <laughs> slow. Oh, remember we, it's, uh, it's remember we asked. Awkward silences. That's yeah, okay. that's all good. <laughs> we asked Seth this question, I think. Remember, and he said flavored, which was a oh yeah, answer. we did ask. Like, we did ask <laughs> Seth. Uh, yeah, yeah. I like that. Um... You can't use that because we just said it. Yeah. No. <laughs> Did they did they make a whiskey out of a uh, sheep dung once? Did somebody do that? They, somebody there's made a... a sheep dung smoked uh, whiskey out of Iceland, and it is. Mind you, I've never tried it, so I couldn't comment on it. That's it's, the thing. It's not the best. Okay. Sean's the king of uh, really bad whiskey. He does tastings, which is all around the worst whiskey. So. Uh, <laughs> okay, we'll go with that. Approximate number of whiskey bottles in your personal collection. Oh, God. Open and unopen? Uh, uh, total. God. I, I, don't, I genuinely don't know. Um, hundreds? No, not hundreds. Probably 20, let's see. Okay. That's pretty conservative. I appreciate that. And no, that's... finally, this I've, I assume there's going to be another pause here, but that's okay. Um, you're on a desert island. You have one whiskey and one beer for the rest of your life. Okay. Um... Beer would need to be something that you could drink every any occasion, every day if you wanted to. So probably quite light, probably quite fruity. My go-to at the moment is one called Birds and Bees by Williams Brothers, who's a, a, a brewery over, over this way, over in Scotland. So right. I'll probably go for that. Whiskey's going to be a tough one. Um, you got to pick one. Oh, Until you get rescued. I'll tell you what, I've, I've recently been uh, had, a, had a nose and a taste of some of our stuff that's, uh, that's about seven years old in bourbon casks. I'd go for that. That's All right. really good stuff. I, w I would quite happily um, be sent away on an island with a couple of casks of our stuff at seven years old. And just drink straight from the <laughs> cask. That's perfect. Yeah. All right. <laughs> All right. With, with, like a, with a ladle. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> awesome. That concludes the bong round. Thank you very much. Well, Peter, we honestly, we really appreciate your time with us today um travis and i and and sean and our community are super excited about about king's barns um but i do have i do have some homework for you to do i would like you to just 
walk right into William's office. Don't don't say a thing. Just grab his post-it notes, write Canada exclusive cask for Travis and Steven and just slap it in the middle of his screen <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then walk out. <laughs> we actually appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, it'd be, it, it'd be cool. And, and William said that we, we would definitely work towards that. Um, you guys, he said you guys have a whole bunch of casts coming of, of significant ages coming up and which, which is pretty exciting for you because you've been there and whiskey, whiskey's a long game, right? It's, it takes patience. It, it just, it takes perseverance in these things. So it's, I'm sure that it's cool to see the fruits of your labor like really, really start to shine and the awards coming in for the whiskey and we're, we're excited for you. Um, we're excited for the brand. We're excited for it all. Oh, thanks a lot. No, I really appreciate it. Um, and thanks a lot for, for having me on today. I've really enjoyed it. It's been, been tremendous fun. And, uh, yeah, I hope the, I hope the whiskey does well in Canada. I hope you guys enjoy it. And, um, yeah, it'd be great to, uh, it's going to be great to work with you and I'll hopefully get across there myself one day and, uh, do a whiskey fair or something like that oh absolutely we'll be looking to uh make that trip over to scotland very soon yeah so. please do you're welcome welcome to come and see the distillery in fact you have to come and see it it's uh yeah make 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 it make it a good trip oh we will we'll be i'd like to take a month but travis <laughs> travis won't be sure if he can take the first time work i can pretend to be travis for two weeks Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll wear a hat I'll talk loud and I'll talk about fermentation for all day long <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, really appreciate your time Peter uh, take care and, and good luck can't wait to see you one day yeah no worries thanks a lot guys really appreciate it yeah, enjoy your time. cheers Peter cheers, cheers. good night again for checking out Boston Translation this week. Please check out King's Barnum's Distillery and their whiskeys when you get the chance. If you want to connect with the show, you can do so on Instagram at park.whiskey, Edmonton Scotch Club, YEG Whiskey Nights, and Dark Cloud Whiskey. You can email the show at lostintranslation at gmail.com and check out some show clips on our YouTube channel, Lost in Translation. Also, check out parkwhiskeysociety.com for more whiskey reviews and information. Cheers. Cheers.